guys. Welcome back to our teaching in the book of Matthew. Now, the last time we were here in chapter 12, we were looking at issues related to the Sabbath day. Now, as a whole, the way we need to understand it is this. The Pharisees had rejected Jesus already. So that's the first thing that we need to see. They had already made up in their minds that they rejected Jesus to be the Messiah to the Jews. That's number one. The second thing is one of the reasons why, or the primary reason, should I say, why the Pharisees rejected Jesus as being the Messiah, which was simply because Jesus would not adhere to all of their, that is the Pharisees, additional rules to the law of Moses. Remember what we said earlier, the Pharisees had added from their own additional rules and regulation concerning the law of Moses. And they made these rules to which they added sacrosanct. That is basically on par equal with the law of Moses. And this Jesus did not tolerate. And so therefore what the Pharisees had began to do is and in the first word that kind of comes to my mind is nitpick, but nevertheless, in accordance to all of these traditions of men, that's what you hear about in the scripture, these rules that uh, that I'm talking about, you hear that's being talked about traditions of men or the traditions of the elders. OK, so with respect to these particular rules were additional rules concerning the Sabbath day. And this is what we saw earlier in the first two occurrences of Jesus interaction with the Pharisees. In, on the Sabbath day. And that is when the disciples were walking through the field, they got hungry, they took some of the wheat and whatever, put it in their fingers, they considered that work. The second time we saw where the Pharisees set a plant in the synagogue, wanted to see what Jesus heal a man on the Sabbath day. Why? Because they considered this work. But the primary thing that you need to see is that the Pharisees had already rejected Jesus. So all they were basically doing was they were looking for reasons to accuse Jesus uh, uh, before the people, to denigrate Jesus before the people so that the people would not receive and believe that Jesus was the Messiah. So that's the primary thing that you got to see. OK, so as we move into this next section of uh, Matthew, it is a very pivotal section. And the reason and I pray the Lord. He helps me to really explain it to you because it has been a most confusing section to many people in the Bible. But really, it's, been, uh, it's confusing as a whole because we as most Christians, as non-Jews, don't see the Jewishness behind the scriptures and understand how Jesus, as a Jew, presented himself to the Jews as fulfillment of their Jewish scriptures that he is the Messiah. And because we leave off that first century Judaism in the scripture, we don't clearly understand it. Okay, but enough of that. But this section is very important because what it does is it begins the pivot to where Jesus is no longer offering himself as the king of the Jews. Okay, so let, let me explain it before we get into it. What you have to remember is Jesus fulfillment of all the prophets, right? He is the fulfillment of that. The coming Messiah. You hear it says the one who is to come, the coming one, son of David, things of that nature, king of Israel. 
So when Jesus did those particular what we call miracles, the healings and things of that nature, he did not do them simply to do them. He yes, he had compassion on people. But the reason for it, and this is why we always must call the word is on in Greek. This is why we must always refer to them as signs It's because Jesus not only proclaimed himself to be the Messiah king to the Jews, but he validated, he authenticated his message by the things that he did. Therefore, the signs became proof positive evidence. Indeed, he is the Messiah. So as Jesus went about proclaiming that the kingdom of God had come, all that simply means is he is proclaiming himself to be the Messiah. I, Jesus, am the Messiah. And he authenticated, he proved that. That's why we see all of those things in the New Testament Gospels. He proved that by the things that he did. This is why we call them signs, because signs point to something. Signs reveal something. It reveals something about the message and the messenger. The message that Jesus is the Messiah and the message that he brings in the coming kingdom of God. This was the expectation of the Jewish people. Okay. But the pivot here is this, and this is what we're going to see. And I'm going to try to keep this as short as possible, but still I'm going to do my job and make you guys try to help you guys to understand it really good. So Jesus is doing all of these signs. He's been doing them a lot of them, a lot of them. Okay. Presenting himself to be the Messiah. If the people rightly believe the signs as they should, they will accept Jesus as the Messiah. Now notice this is a national thing. If I, okay, listen to what I just said. This is a national thing. Up until this point, Jesus's signs are for the nation. They are not simply for individuals to receive him as Messiah. That will come after this chapter. So take that. In. You really got to get it, guys. Jesus's signs are for the nation so that the nation would see and believe that he is the Messiah and seeing and believing he is the Messiah. They accept him as Messiah, son of David, king of Israel. With that acceptance, Jesus brings in the kingdom of God. He would bring in the kingdom of God, that which was spoken of by the prophets, the kingdom of God, that stuff when you read like in the book of Isaiah and all, almost all of the prophets spoke of the kingdom of God, a time of peace, a time of restoration, all of that. So, but I don't want to get into all of the eschatological meanings behind all of that, but in that Jewish expectation, when the lion lay down with the lamb, little child, and all of this stuff stick hand into the viper's nest, it will not bite. That kingdom of God, time of peace. If they believed in him as a whole, as a nation, okay? So by the, doing all of these miracles, Jesus is presenting himself. He is offering the kingdom to Israel. But the only way you're gonna get the kingdom you must receive Jesus 
as the king of Israel. So all of this is what Jesus has been done. Signs, signs, signs. Do you believe that I'm the Messiah? Do you believe I'm the Messiah? For if you do and receive me as your Messiah, as from a national point of view, then I will be your king and I will bring in the kingdom. That's what Jesus has been done. But when we get to this particular section here, they will cook, they will commit a national sin and therefore Jesus will withdraw this. In other words, the signs that he does, he will no longer do. So therefore he withdraws from Israel, from the kingdom, from the nation of Israel. I can no longer be your king because it is at this moment you have rejected me. Okay, so without me getting into all of that and filling all the blanks in even before we get there, now let's get into the text. But you gotta understand why this next section is so important. Okay, so let's start. We got a long way to go, guys. Verse 22 Then a demon possessed man who was blind and mute was brought to Jesus, and he healed him so that the mute man spoke. And saw all the crowds were amazed and were saying, um, this man cannot be the son of David, can he? But when the Pharisees heard this, they said, this man cast out demons only by Beelzebub, the ruler of the demons. And knowing their thoughts, Jesus said to them, any kingdom divided against itself is laid waste and any city or house divided against itself will not stand. If Satan cast out Satan, he is divided against himself. How then will his kingdom stand? If I by Beelzebub cast out demons, by whom do your sons cast them out? For this reason, they will be your judges. But if I cast out demons by the spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Or how can anyone enter the strong man's house and carry off his property unless he first binds the strong man and then he plunders his house. Okay. All right. Now let's talk about this particular issue here. So we begin with the issue of the demon possessed man, the demon possessed man who was blind and mute. He was unable to see. He was unable to speak because of being possessed by demons. All right. He was brought to Jesus. Jesus healed him and he both spoke and saw. So notice not only was he blind, unable to see, unable to speak, but he was also unable to see because of the demon possession. Jesus cast the demons out and he was altogether healed. He could now speak, hear and see. OK, so when he so this miracle by the demon possessed man, when Jesus healed this man, all the crowds became really excited. And this is something you have to take note of. So stay with me, guys. I'm going to try to make it simple without going on and on and on. The crowds had seen Jesus do miracles many times before. But notice when Jesus does this particular miracle, they really get excited. And notice what they begin to ask to muse amongst themselves. And no doubt, because some of the Pharisees are there, they are there hearing this thing, they're asking, this cannot be the son of David. The son of David is a messianic title. So they're simply saying this 
they're looking at this miracle that Jesus did with the demon. I'll talk about that. And then they're beginning to say, wow, I believe this might be the Messiah. That's what they're beginning to think. Truly. So they're looking at not only listening to what Jesus has been teaching and preaching and proclaiming about himself to be the Messiah. But they're looking at the works of Jesus, what he has done and saying this indeed is the Messiah. Now, let's go back to something. If you've been keeping up with the videos and the teachings, I've already taught you. There were basically two classes of miracles. There were the general classes of class of miracle that anybody with faith can do. And then there were certain miracles believed that only the Messiah can do. And those miracles consisted of basically three. The Jews believe that only the Messiah can do these miracles. That is open the eyes of a person who is born blind, heal a person of leprosy and cast out a dumb demon. And that is this, this demon right here. That is demon possession that prohibits the person who has the demon from speaking. That's because the Jews, the Jewish way of casting out demons was this, and I've explained it, but here we go again. First, you come, you get the person sitting before you. The person is demon possessed. You ask, what is the demon's name? What is your name? The demon then supplies the name. By the use of the demon's name, you get authority over the demon. And then by the use of this name, having authority over the demon, you then thereby go, go and cast out the demon. So the whole point is the person must be able to speak so that you can get the demon's name, acquire authority over the demon, and then cast out the demon. And this is how the Jews themselves were casting out demons, as we see in this particular text. I'll get to that. But if a man, because of the demons, were unable to speak, you can't get the name, and so therefore you can't cast the demons out. And the Jews believe only the Messiah, when he comes, he will not need to go through this. He will, he will be able to have the power and authority to cast the demon out without his name. And this is exactly what Jesus did. Notice the man was what? Mute. He couldn't speak. But notice Jesus cast out the demons anyway. And this is what caused a real stir in the crowd. They began to say, oh my God, only the Messiah can do this. So therefore, they began to say, is Jesus truly the Messiah? So that's the word that is starting to move around in the crowd. And that's what you need to see happening here. So now notice this. As this word begins to muse, remember, we've already said in earlier part of chapter 12, previous video, dealing with the issue of the Sabbath day. Remember the mindset of the Pharisees? They had already rejected Jesus as Messiah. And even in that last instance of healing the man with the withered hand on the Sabbath day, remember what they did? They had all, they had began to go about to seek a way to kill Jesus. Now that's rejection. Now the Pharisees rejected Jesus as Messiah. And now look at what the people are beginning to do. They're beginning to wonder possibly believe, and this is in the most general sense of believing, that Jesus is the Messiah. So this stirs up the Pharisees to stir up 
disbelief concerning Jesus. And notice what they did because the Pharisees have already rejected Jesus. They want the people. They are now. Here's what you must see. They are now moving the people to reject Jesus. They reject Jesus. Now they want the people to reject Jesus. And this is why the Pharisees say what they say. What do they say? They said, notice verse number 24. When the Pharisees heard this, heard what? That the people were beginning to muse, to wonder, could Jesus actually be the Messiah? That's why they said what they said. They said, Jesus, this man, notice how they distanced themselves from Jesus. This man cast out demons by the prince of demons, that is Beelzebub, which is a derogative name for Lord of the Flies or even Lord of the Dung. So they really used a nasty pejorative concerning Jesus and Beelzebub basically is a name reference to Satan. And that's why Jesus says also what he says, Jesus knew their thoughts. And so he began to say that what any kingdom, he, he, he goes from the greatest to the least Any kingdom, any city, any house, again, any kingdom, city or house. Anything that is divided against itself cannot stand. So he simply sets forth a principle, a principle of unity and working together. And so he makes his point. If Satan cast out Satan and notice here, he uses the word if Satan, that is Satan himself, whom we call Lucifer, cast out Satan. And notice he uses the personal name of Satan for his workers. For So Satan cast out other demons. So if Satan therefore cast out other demons, Satan, he says, how then can Satan's kingdom stand? So Jesus simply says, it's simply common sense. Satan is not working against himself. Satan is trying to not only keep his kingdom, but even make his kingdom grow even stronger. So if he begins to cast out demons who are in his employ, then how can his kingdom stand? And then again, he begins to say what? And if I, the comparison of what Jesus is doing, in that is casting out and destroying the kingdom of Satan, in contrast to Satan trying to keep and build his kingdom, if I by Beelzebub cast out demons, by whom do your sons cast them out? Now here's the thing. That is, this is what I've been just saying to you earlier. Remember, it was a common thing for other exorcists, and that's not a derogative name. Exorcist simply means a person who cast out demons. There were other Jews who cast out demons. And that's why Jesus says, by whom do your sons cast them out? So it was a common practice. But the way they cast them out, remember now, the way they cast these demons out was acquiring the name of the demon and then casting them out. So they did it too. So Jesus is saying, I'm casting them out as well as your own sons, your own people cast them out. So therefore they will be your judges. In other words, if, if I'm casting them out by Beelzebub, then tell me, who is it that your sons are casting them out? Are you accusing them too of casting them out by Satan himself? Guess what? They will judge you and they will tell you 
By no means are we casting out Satan by the name of Satan. So that's the first question Jesus asked them. Then he said, but then notice before he gets into the second question, because he's going to ask them three questions. He says this, but if I cast demons, if I cast out demons by the spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has come up on you. Now, we need to understand that statement. If I, by the spirit of God, Jesus is saying, and by the power of God, that is by divine power of God, the father and the spirit of God cast these demons out by the true God. Then what is he saying? Notice then the kingdom of God has come upon you. What he means by that is he is claiming himself to be the Messiah by virtue of what he is doing. Because remember the whole point and I'm wearing myself out. You got to get it. What did John the Baptist come to do? He says the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And by saying that is the Messiah has come. So what is Jesus saying? Jesus is saying, I am not the devil casting out the devil by the spirit of the devil. I am the Messiah. Why? Because I, the Messiah, am casting out demons by the spirit of God. So therefore, the kingdom of God. And that's the whole idea. You got, it's all so wrapped together tightly. You have to unpack all of the meaning. So Jesus is the point. Offering the kingdom of God. But the only way you get the kingdom of God, you have to receive him as the Messiah. And Jesus is showing you he is the Messiah by what? I just did a messianic miracle, a miracle you believe only the Messiah can do. So therefore, if I, by the spirit of God, have done these things, indeed, it proves what? I am the Messiah. You got it? And therefore, only the Messiah can bring in the kingdom. Then he asked the third question, or how can anyone enter among enter the strong man's house, carry off his property unless he first binds a strong man and then he'll plunder his house? In other words, Jesus is a man stronger than Satan because he can enter the domain of Satan. Here, this poor man who has been possessed by demons, Jesus can enter the domain of Satan stronger than Satan is plunder Satan's house and carry off his goods. That is release the man from the influence of these demons. So therefore Jesus whole point is this. Here's what you got to see. This is the pivotal point. They bring a man to Jesus who cannot speak. He also cannot hear. Jesus heals the man. The crowd begins to believe that Jesus is the Messiah. The Pharisees quickly began to work Amongst the crowd, they're working what amongst the crowd to get the crowd to do just what they have done. The, the Pharisees have rejected Jesus and they want the people to now reject Jesus. So the, the Pharisees began to say amongst the people that Jesus throw cast out demons because he himself is the root has is filled with the spirit of the ruler of demons. Jesus cast out demons by the power of Satan. Jesus then tells them how foolish this response is because Satan always wants to build and not destroy his kingdom. And then number two, 
your own sons cast them out. Do they cast them out by Satan? And then number three, you must be stronger than Satan to cast them out. So in all of this, Jesus is simply saying, I am the Messiah. Believe me because of my works, even in particular, believe me for this work that you just saw in your eyes. But notice, do not leave this environment. What is the environment? Is Jesus the Messiah? The Pharisees working hard to say he is not. The people saying, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. So that there is a sense of indecision, indecision but indecision because what Jesus has just done in casting out this demon, what Jesus has what just done casting out this demon from a man who could not speak. Okay. So that's our basis for all of this. Now let's continue to move on. He who is not with me is against me and he who does not gather with me scatters. Therefore I say to you, any sin and blasphemy shall be forgiven people, but blasphemy against the spirit shall not be forgiven. Whoever speaks a word against the son of man, it shall be forgiven him. But whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit, it shall not be forgiven him either in this age or in the age to come. Now, OK, we got a lot of work to do with this passage because it has been greatly confused. OK. So by grace of God, stay with me. Remember the whole let's and always remember saints. Always remember. You got to stay in context. What does it mean? What is going on? What is Jesus talking about? What are the events happening? The events once again. He did this miracle Only Messiah can do Pharisees working hard to try to convince people. Jesus, is not the Messiah, the people. The people are saying to themselves, is it a Messiah or is he not? The Pharisees saying, no, he's not. The people saying, easy, easy, easy. That's how you get it. So notice what he does in verse number 30. Jesus now says, make a decision. Come to a decision about me. Make up. And let me stop to get so excited. And the reason why I get so excited is because this part has been so misunderstood. Calming down. Come to a decision, Jesus says, not to the Pharisees. They have already made up their minds to the people whom the Pharisees are trying to convince. Come to a decision about me. Believe that I am the Messiah. You need to believe that or not. That's why he says he who is not with me is against me. If you don't gather into the barns, you're scattering. The whole issue of what Jesus means by that phrase is make your mind up about me. You cannot continually stay on the fence. You need to come to a point of decision. You either going to be with me, you're going to be against me. You either going to work with me or you're going to work against me. You got to make a decision about me. And so now he begins to look at what has just taken place. What is what has just taken place? The Pharisees have accused Jesus of being demon possessed. Remember that casting out demons by Beelzebub, the prince of the demons. So then Jesus starts dealing with the issue of blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. So now let's stay in context here. 
I say unto you, any sin, any sin or blasphemy. Notice that any any sin, all sin, pasa, any all sin and all blasphemy uh, shall be forgiven people with, with one exception, blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. It shall not be forgiven. Notice what Jesus says. Whoever speaks a word against the son of man, it shall be forgiven. That is any sin that you say about Jesus or speak about Jesus. Anything can be forgiven. Anything can be forgiven that we say against or do against Jesus. Then he says what? But whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit, it shall not be forgiven him either in this age or in the age to come to sin against the Holy Spirit. To blaspheme the Holy Spirit is an unpardonable, unforgivable sin. And that's why he says no forgiveness in this age nor in the age to come. There can never be forgiveness of this sin. So now let's understand what forgiveness blaspheming of the Holy Spirit is. Number one, number one in the context of it is. Jesus is working miracles. He's working sign miracles to show the nation of Israel that he is their Messiah. You got it. Then the leaders accuse Jesus of being able to do these things, saying that he is demon possessed. That's why he's doing it. But Jesus has already said, but if I with the spirit of God, cast out demons. So therefore Jesus has said, I through the Holy Spirit am casting out demons. So therefore what you are doing is you are blaspheming the Holy Spirit by accusing me of casting out demons by Beelzebub. When in fact I'm casting them out by the Holy Spirit. This act can never be forgiven. Now that's the pure context. And that is exactly what blaspheming of the Holy Spirit is. So now let me give it to you in a nutshell so you can get it because we think there are some of us who believe that even today we can blaspheme against the Holy Spirit. The answer is no, no one can blaspheme against the Holy Spirit today in this manner that Jesus is speaking of to the which he has no forgiveness. It is impossible. Why? Number one, Jesus is not dealing with an individual sin. Okay. Again, that is the sin of a single person. What a person does in order to be unforgiven, to blaspheme against the Holy spirit and never to be forgiven. Jesus is dealing with a national sin. What do I mean? He is not. Okay. That means what are the Pharisees trying to do? The Pharisees are going about to the people, to the crowd. He's, he's doing this because he got a demon. He's doing this because he got a demon. Believe me this, he, the Pharisees want the nation and you're going to see this. Ultimately, this will be the reason why they will say, even in their literature, why Jesus is, why Jesus was rejected. And even in their literature, why Jesus and how Jesus did the miracles, they will say he did it because he was demon possessed. Okay. So that's number one. It is a collective sin, a national sin that only Israel can do. Why? 
because Jesus must be present in order to blaspheme the Holy Spirit. Jesus must be present and Jesus must be working these signs. Jesus is no longer present and he is no longer himself doing these signs to prove, authenticate that he is the Messiah. All these things are no longer done. Jesus only did. He was empowered by the Holy Spirit in the flesh. Notice in the flesh, in human form at that time. Jesus did those particular sign miracles to Israel only at that time. And it was to that generation. And you're going to see that over and over and over again in the teachings that follow this generation, this generation. It was only unto that generation that Jesus did those signs as he was empowered by the Holy Spirit. And that generation said that Jesus did it by virtue of being demon possessed. So therefore, only that generation could blaspheme the Holy Spirit because they saw Jesus. They witnessed the miracle and they were the only ones to be able to say that Jesus did it by virtue of satanic powers. Blasphemy of the Holy Spirit cannot be committed by number one, a single individual out of the context. Number two, it cannot be committed this day because Jesus must be present doing all of these things. And the response, the response to Jesus doing these things is he does it by because he is filled with the spirit of Satan by the power of Satan. He is demon possessed. So therefore blasphemy of the Holy Spirit cannot be done on this day is no longer available. It is a national sin only can be done by Israel and they did that. Okay. And here's again, the whole point that I want you guys to see the idea of the Pharisees trying to convince the people to reject Jesus as Messiah on what grounds on the grounds that Jesus is demon possessed. The people, let's take a look at them. Is he the Messiah or not? The verses that we just got through dealing with. Jesus says, make up your mind. And that's the whole point of all of that. Okay. And then he says this in the final warning, do not believe what the Pharisees are saying about me. What? That I am demon possessed. He warns the nation, the, the what? The nation is a collective warning. Do not believe it. Why? If you believe that I am demon possessed and I'm doing all of this, there is no forgiveness for you. And what Jesus means in totality by that, listen to what I'm saying. What he means is there is no forgiveness in no age is Jesus is saying, as far as the kingdom of God is concerned, if you Jewish people in this generation, let me say it like Jesus would say in my generation, the time that Jesus walked the earth, if you settle in your mind that I am casting out demons by the power of demons, you are rejecting me as the Messiah. And guess what? 
the offer. Remember what I was telling you guys earlier about everything that Jesus was doing up until this point. Prove that he was the Messiah. Present himself as the pe as the Messiah to the king of the Jews so that if they received Jesus, they could have the kingdom of God in their day. But Jesus now warns, if you continue on this road, thinking about me, I'm demon possessed. Now the offer of the kingdom will be rescinded. That is, I will no longer present myself to you. You guys, you got to get it. You got to get it. I don't care what you've heard. You got to get this part because as we work down later, you're going to see it. I don't care what you say and what you do. I no longer will present myself to you as your king. I, re I rescind. I take it off the table. You got it. So therefore, guess what? Remember, remember, let's stay in the context. All these signs and wonders that I've been doing to prove to you that I'm the Messiah in hopes that you will receive me as your king and Messiah, son of David. No longer. I am going to stop doing these messianic miracles. I am going to stop doing these miracles to prove these miracles, public miracles. Now, notice what I'm saying. Notice what I'm saying. Public miracles, public miracles, miracles for the benefit of the nation so that the nation would receive me as Messiah. Mm -mm. No longer. If you hold to the Pharisees, believing I'm demon possessed, I'm done with that. No more king of Israel. OK, and that's going to explain why Jesus would do a lot of things that he would do in times to come. But I'm not going to deal with that yet. This is already long enough. But I want you guys to get a solid foundation to this. OK, do not call Jesus demon possessed. And for the recent context of what I was talking about, blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, you cannot do this. None of us can do this. It's a national sin. It's collective sin. Can only be done by Israel. Can only be done in Jesus' day. And if you do this thing, Jesus takes the offer of his presenting himself as Messiah. All right? We'll talk about that. You'll understand it even better. But now let's simply continue. Either make the tree good, 33, and the fruit good, or make the tree bad and its fruit bad. For the tree is known by its fruit. You brood of vipers. How can you being evil speak what is good for the mouth speaks for the mouth speaks out of that which fills the heart. The good man brings out of his good treasure what is good. The evil man brings out of his evil treasure what is evil. But I tell you that every careless word that people speak, they shall give accounting for it in the day of judgment. For by your words, you will be justified and by your words, you will be condemned. OK, so now we can see Jesus pointedly speaking to the Pharisees context. What are the Pharisees doing again? When they heard the people wondering whether Jesus was the Messiah, they began trying to convince the people Jesus was demon possessed. And if he demon possessed, of course, he is not the Messiah. So now Jesus directly points to them and says, talks about the nature of them. Remember the whole point of the Pharisees. They wanted to appear as righteous men. They wanted to appear as good men. But what has Jesus been teaching all along? Such righteousness and goodness comes from within. 
You do not project righteousness so that people can see it. No, you are righteous from within. And it's that inner righteousness that shows forth itself in what you do. It is that inner righteousness that shows forth itself in what you say. So this is what Jesus is saying here. The tree is good. Why? If the tree is good, inner righteousness, the fruit is good, outer righteousness. But if the tree is bad, inner evil, the fruit is bad. Outward actions of evil. And what are the outward actions of evil of the Pharisees here? They're calling Jesus demon possessed. And so Jesus here strongly rebukes the Pharisees just like John did. Notice what he calls them, a brood of vipers. You know good snakes. In other words, I don't care how much you try to look righteous for the people and trying to convince we are the righteous Pharisees. If anybody knows whether Jesus is the Messiah, we ought to know. I don't care what your righteousness, long robe, wearing self, try to look like. You are a crooked snake. And that's what Jesus calls them. So he says this. Note, how can you being evil internally, the whole point of everything that I'm saying, internally, how can you being evil speak what is good? Notice what they're trying to speak about Jesus. No, you're maligning Jesus because of what's really in you, because of what you really are. You are a corrupt tree. You are, so therefore corrupt tree brings forth what? Bad fruit. You are inside corrupt and therefore you act corruptly. And so that this he goes on in a parabolic sense. Notice what? The good man, notice again, the whole idea, good man and then the evil man. What is the person truly like from within? The good man, he is truly within himself, good or a righteous man. What is his conduct? He brings out that which is good. The evil man, what's he like? Evil on the inside. And therefore, what is his conduct? As Jesus here calls the treasure, evil. So from within shows without. And then Jesus gives the warning. Remember now, beautiful thing. The Pharisees going about See, they have no idea that Jesus knows that they are telling the people he's demon possessed. He's demon possessed. Jesus is aware of all of these things. Now, imagine Jesus pointing his fingers at the Pharisees while you're going about the people trying to tell them all and convince them all that I have a demon. Let me give you a warning. Every careless word that a man speak he shall give account of in the day of judgment. Why you're saying all of these things about me. Don't think that this is the end of this in the judgment. I don't care. And see, this is a principle that can be applied with all. Jesus speaks to the Pharisees indeed, but it is a principle that is applied to all of us. And what does he say to these Pharisees? Even the words that you say under your breath, even the words that you think don't have much account, you're going to give an account of in the day of judgment. If you will give an account for these small words, how much more will you be given account to call Jesus demon possessed? And then he says, why? For by your words, you will be justified by your words. You will be condemned. Once again, the reflection of 
What? Words come from within, out of the heart, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, out of what's within a man. That's why he said what he has said. So therefore, what? Judgment for the good man comes out of his words. He'll be therefore justified. Judgment will come for the wicked man. Why? Because out of his innermost being, he has said corrupting things. So this whole section dealt with the inner part of the man. What is with as Jesus speaks to the Pharisees was within a man comes out of a man, no matter how he tries to look good. And Jesus therefore gives a warning to the Pharisees. Number one, you need to believe that I'm the Messiah, but the point is it's too late for them. They have made up their minds. They have rejected him. They are now seeking to kill him and they are trying to convince everybody that Jesus is the Messiah. And so Jesus simply gives them a warning that in the judgment, they will be judged not only for everything that they have done, but also for everything that they have said, including saying he is demon possessed. Okay. But staying with all of this context, now here's the good part. All of this context, Jesus doing the messianic miracle. People wondering whether he's the Messiah. Pharisees ripping and running through the crowd trying to convince people Jesus is not the Messiah. Jesus warning the Pharisees, you're gonna be judged for what you're doing, right? Staying in all of this context, let's continue. Then some of the scribes, some of the scribes and Pharisees, verse number 38, said to him, Teacher, we want to see a sign from you. Guys, I'm almost worn out. That, uh, it's, it's, it's something. Okay, let me back it up. Just read the scripture. Some of the scribes, look who is coming. And the Pharisees said to him, Teacher, we want to see a sign from you. But he answered and said to them, Watch, an evil and adulterous generation craves for a sign and yet no sign shall be given to it but the sign of Jonah the prophet for just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great of the sea monster so will the son of man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth the men of Nineveh will stand up with this general you know what you know what let me stop there because I, I really want you guys to get it and I don't want to compound it too heavily. So let me stop there. So now notice, here we go. Watch this now. Remember, this is why you got to get it, guys. The miracles that Jesus performed were signs, signs, healing, leprosy, raising from the dead. All of this was to prove I am the Messiah. He preached. The kingdom of God has come. The kingdom of God is among you. That is simply this, a Jewish way of simply saying, I am the Messiah. I am Jesus of Nazareth, the king of the Jews. Believe that I am the Messiah and king of the Jews. Accept me. That's the preaching. Now, watch what I'm about to do. I'm going to do all these miracles. I'm going to do these signs to prove it. Believe this. You got it. What's going on? So Jesus did. That's why I did all of that prologue in the head. All this stuff. He's presenting himself. Will you accept me? 
Will you? Boom, he preached, teaches, accept me. He does those signs, accept me, accept me. Constantly doing it. You see it now? We've already did with the Pharisees. He came to the Pharisees, Pharisees, we ain't gonna accept you. They've already made up their mind they're not gonna accept Jesus. Remember, earlier part, they have gone out, healing of the man with the withered hand, trying to find a way to kill Jesus, to capture Jesus in his words so that Jesus can be put to death. You see it now? Now, notice what they're doing now. These same Pharisees and, Pharisees and scribes, verse number 38, they are now coming to Jesus. Look how they address Jesus, teacher. They don't accept Jesus as the teacher. They don't believe in Jesus. They are liars. Notice what Jesus just called them, brood of vipers. They are nothing but hypocrites trying to come to Jesus in some sort of a nice way. But look what they ask Jesus. Here's what I'm hooping about. We want to see a sign from you. What does that mean? Work a miracle. Do a miracle that only the Messiah can do so that we can believe you are the Messiah. See what they're asking Jesus? Do another miracle that only the Messiah can do so we can believe you're the Messiah and we'll therefore accept you as Messiah, King of the Jews. What a bunch of crap. What has Jesus been doing over and over and over and over again? Remember, we've already talked about what? The healing of lepers and Jesus would send the lepers out. Present yourself to the priest. That's a messianic miracle. That's a miracle that only Messiah can do. John tells us what? There was a man who was born blind and Jesus healed the man who was born blind. When that man was interrogated by the Pharisees, what did they do? They rejected both the man and Jesus. And I don't want to get into all of the stuff that was said about that until we get into John. They, the bottom line, they said concerning Jesus, we don't know this man and we don't know where this man comes from. They rejected the the testimony of the man born blind. So therefore they rejected that messianic miracle. Now let's look at again, another miracle when Jesus heals a messianic miracle, a man who was demon possessed and could not speak. Jesus just did that. And what are they asking? Give us another sign. Jesus is simply saying, can I, I I'm preaching now. I don't even care no more. I'm sick of you. I'm sick of you. I have given you sign upon top of sign upon top of sign. I have given you messianic sign that only Messiah can do. Over and over again, I'm sick of you. And notice they want a public sign. This is what, the, this is what I was trying to tell you guys. They want a public sign, one that Jesus would do before all the peoples. And this is the end of Jesus' ministry of public signs. So let me just calm on down. It is at this point from now on in the ministry of Jesus, he will never ever again do a sign, a miracle in front of the general public. 
from this day on because of what the Pharisees have done, calling Jesus context. What guys demon possessed the people in their indecisiveness as they begin to believe what the Pharisees are saying, because guess what? Like the Pharisees, like the people, the people will be ultimately convinced by the Pharisees that Jesus is demon possessed and they will ultimately reject Jesus. This is the last time Jesus would do a public miracle. So this is simple. What does this mean? Remember, as we call it public miracle, a sign. That's what the Pharisees are asking for. Proving you're the Messiah. Jesus now takes it off the table. I will no longer do any more miracles to prove that I'm the Messiah because I will no longer present myself to you as the Messiah. No, sir. As far as being your king, I will not be your king. The offer to bring in the kingdom is now rescinded. That means taken off the table. This is it. Any miracle that Jesus will do at this point forward will be a private miracle. Now, I'm a little premature, but just let me tell you so you'll understand it. That's why you will see in the miracles that Jesus will do after this point of rejection, demon possessed stuff, this context. That's why Matthew 12 is so important. Any miracle that Jesus do, you'll see him always. He'll bring, he'll, the people will be with the crowd. Bible will say Jesus will bring them apart from the crowd or the people will be with the crowd or Jesus will bring them into a house. Whatever Jesus will do, it will be in private. And then Jesus will say there will be times. Let me just let me do my job. Let me do my job. All the miracles that Jesus did at this point behind from, you know, all that from the beginning of his preaching at his baptism. Okay. Up until this point, all the sign miracles that Jesus did, there was no necessity of faith. You know, in other words, when Jesus healed, he just simply healed. Think about what I just said. Think about all the things that we've already talked. He didn't ask them, do you believe that I'm able to do them? He just simply would heal them. If Jesus asked them, by that he would stir up their faith. But nevertheless, faith was not a requirement. And that is when I say faith was not a requirement, that means faith, belief that Jesus is the Messiah. You got it? Not just general bland faith, but faith that Jesus is the Messiah. Okay. I don't want to be too long. Every miracle he did, before now, up to now, you didn't even have to, you didn't even have to believe it. He just simply healed you. Okay. He did that to prove to you that is to the nation of Israel. That's what I mean to the nation of Israel. I'm doing that to prove that I am the Messiah from this point forward. Any miracle that Jesus does faith that Jesus is the Messiah is going to be required. Now, if you are going to be healed or whatever is going to happen to you, you got to believe it is a prerequisite from this point forward. It is a prerequisite that you must believe he is the Messiah and able to do these things. I hope you guys caught that. Chapter 12 is a pivotal. 
It's a turning point in Jesus's ministry, all because of this demon possessed stuff that we're dealing with. Okay. But now let's get back to the text. So the Pharisees want to see a sign, a public sign. Notice what Jesus tells them. And this is what I've been saying to you guys. He, number one, notice what he calls. Okay. Calming down again. It's, it's so huge saints concerning the Pharisees. Notice, cause that's who's asking, but notice it's Jesus application. Not only the Pharisees, but the nation as a whole an evil and adulterous generation. And I'm wearing myself out, saints. Let me see how much time I've been already. All right, let's keep going. Evil and adulterous generation. You have to understand. Remember I told you about blasphemy of the Holy Spirit it could only be done by that generation. Notice again as Jesus harping on that generation, an evil and adulterous generation. But as I was saying earlier, as he speaks to the Pharisees, it does have practical application to the people like the leaders. So will be the people evil and adulterous. Why their rejection of Jesus and what ultimately ultimate belief he cast out demon that Jesus is demon possessed. Bottom line, they're seeking a sign. Notice what Jesus said. No more signs will be given to that generation. Notice you will see Jesus do other signs, wonders, but they won't be public. That's what he means. There will never be another public sign. You got it. So therefore the offering of himself as Messiah to the nation of Israel is gone. You can only now from this point forward, receive Jesus as Messiah as an individual, not as a nation, but the individual. So therefore the kingdom to Israel will never come. And since I'm here, I want to make you understand it. The kingdom that Jesus was promising to bring that he was offering to bring to Israel will not come to that generation. And now we will find out that's what's so beautiful about chapter 13. Since the kingdom will not come to that generation, Jesus in chapter 13 is going to begin to talk about another generation, a new kingdom of God, which will be the church. But I'm not going to get into that. What is the sign? Jesus said no more public signs. The last public sign they will be given is the sign of resurrection, the sign of Jonah, the prophet. And he says that sign itself will be concerning his own resurrection. That is the, 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 the great manifestation of this sign will be in his own resurrection. Now he deals with uh, uh, the typology of Jonah. Type, remember, Jonah is a type. As Jonah was in the belly of the great fish three days and three nights, so will the Son of Man be in the heart of the earth for three days and three nights. So he's speaking of his death, his, his crucifixion and death, and then his resurrection after three days. This will be the ultimate sign that will be publicly given to the nation of Israel, okay? But in general, the sign of resurrection will be the last of his public signs. So what do I mean by that? There will be two more signs that Jesus will give 
Two more signs that Jesus will give to the public. Remember what I've been telling you guys. You got to follow me. You got to kind of divorce a lot of teaching that you've heard and just strictly stay with the scripture and the context and the theme of the scripture. Jesus been performing all of these signs publicly. He says at this point, no more public signs. I'll only give you one type of public sign left. The type is resurrection. Okay. The ultimate type of that will be fulfilled in my own resurrection from the dead. He compares that to Jonah. But in the general sense of resurrection, two more public miracles. Number one is the resurrection of Lazarus from the dead. Lazarus was a public miracle. And notice Lazarus miracle was done in the public and it caused to stir when the people, and I can't get into all the details, but go and read it. When that's in the book of John, when they saw Jesus resurrect Lazarus from the dead after four days. Okay. Not like Jesus, but after four days, they went and took this message to all of into Jerusalem saying Jesus resurrected Lazarus. And it, it spread like hot fire. And therefore the Pharisees were absolutely determined to put Jesus to death. But the point is it was a public sign that Jesus was Messiah. Now he's not offering the messianic kingdom. He is just simply saying, this is the proof. This is the proof. Even though he's not offering the kingdom, you got to get that distinction. Okay. So what two last and final public miracles resurrection, resurrection of Lazarus, resurrection of Jesus. After this, no more public miracles, public signs trying to get the people to make a decision. Why? Jesus says it's over and that's what you need to see. Okay. Now let me go on because this part guys, it wears me out because of the intensity of it. Um, 41, the men of Nineveh will stand up with the, with this generation at the judgment and will condemn it because they repented at the preaching of Jonah. Behold, something greater than Jonah is here. The queen of the south will rise up against this generation at the judgment and will condemn it because she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. Behold, something greater than Solomon is here. Now, let's just simply deal with this section. We've already seen what Jesus had dealt with this before in the same sense. Remember earlier? War unto you, Chorazin. War unto you, Bethsaida. For if the mighty works were done in you, and that is when greater revelation is given, and you still don't respond to that revelation by believing that Jesus is Messiah, greater judgment will be given. This is the same sense that Jesus is now giving here. But in the same way, in the same way, notice how Jesus continues to say, notice the men of Nineveh. Okay. I'm almost wore out. Gentiles, just like he did. Notice Tyre and Sidon would have repented. Sodom would have repented. Gentiles. Notice this makes it even more grievous. Why? Jesus is saying to these Jews that Gentiles who were committed grievous sins would have responded to him. It is it's, it's sad. It's sad. Men of Nineveh. Everybody remember. In the, remember the sign of Jonah. He continues on with that same idea. Jonah went and preached to whom? The men of Nineveh. 
You got it. Notice Jonah did no miracle to convince them. It was simply his preaching. Notice Jesus said those same men that Jonah preached to who responded to the preaching of Jonah and Jonah did no sign. They will rise up in the judgment against. Here's what you got to see, guys. Here's what you got to see. This generation, this generation, once again, go all the way back to the healing of the dumb mute man. Dumb meaning he couldn't speak. Committing of the sin of blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. It was a generational sin, a sin that could only be committed by what? That generation to call Jesus demon possessed only by what? That generation special judgment only to whom that generation. Why? Once again, that generation saw Jesus. They saw his miracles. They heard his teachings. Jesus offered himself as much. That generation deserving of a unique judgment. Why? Because the Messiah only revealed himself to that generation. Jesus is not present like he was in our generation. Where is Jesus? In, in heaven, sitting at the right hand of God. In this context, where is Jesus? He's walking around in, 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 in Galilee doing signs and wonders to try to convince people he is the Messiah. What are they doing through their leaders? They're saying he's demon possessed. Therefore, that generation will be judged by the men of Nineveh. Why? Because they saw Jesus in all of his glory. Nineveh repented at the signs at the preaching of Jonah, who did no signs. These people, that generation of Jesus, although he did so many of them, refused to believe that Jesus was, was Messiah, refused to repent. Therefore, they are deserving of a unique, special, harsher judgment. And notice the men of Nineveh condemns that generation. Then Jesus continues on, queen of the south. This is the queen of Ethiopia who heard about the wisdom of Solomon. Another Gentile, Jesus loved to do this Gentile against Jewish play. She heard about the wisdom of Solomon and traveled from the farthest parts of the earth just to hear Solomon's wisdom. Notice Jesus says what he, he and noted a greater than like a greater than Jonah is here by what Jesus did in signs and wonders a greater than Solomon is here. Jesus is wiser than Solomon. Jesus is Solomon's actual creator. So Jesus says this, but you don't have to travel from the ends of the earth to hear and receive the revelations of God. You are hearing wisdom greater than Solomon ever could give and is right here amongst you in this generation. You, unlike the queen of the south, don't have to travel from the ends of the earth. I'm right here. And yet the Gentile who receives Solomon's wisdom, you Jews are rejecting me my wisdom, even me as Messiah. And therefore these Gentiles will rise in the judgment and judge you. Okay. Now let's, let's try to bring it to an end. 
because it's gone longer than I anticipated. 43. Now, when the unclean spirit goes out of a man, it passes through waterless places, seeking rest and does not find it. Then it says, I will return to my house from which I came. And when it comes, it finds it unoccupied, swept and put in order. Then it goes and takes along with it seven other spirits more wicked than itself. And they go in and live there. And the last state of that man becomes worse than the first. That is the way it will also be with this generation. See, see all the context is about to make my head explode. So now let's look at what Jesus does as that. Okay. He says, unclean spirit. Now, Jesus begins to speak. Now, this is a true instance of what happens when a demon is cast out of a man. And notice, it's so beautiful, saints. As Jesus is giving this example, it is a parabolic example. It is still a parabolic example set against what just happened. What just happened? They brought a man that was demon possessed to Jesus and Jesus cast out the devil. That's how we started this whole thing based in it. Beautiful. You cannot tell me the scripture is not absolutely beautiful. It must be divine by the very nature of it. It is divine, but okay, too long. So Jesus gives a parabolic example about same sense demon man full of demon. Demon goes out of a man. That is, he's cast out of a man. What happens? Demon goes through dry places, waterless places, because the desire of the demon is to inhabit. He wants to inhabit. He finds no one. Now, this is in parabolic sense, parabolic sense that he can come back into. So the demon decides to go back into the man that he came out of. But he was earlier cast out of the man. So he does not want, he knows he can't simply go back into the man and then remain there. So he wants to fortify himself. So he takes with himself, along with himself, seven other spirits more wicked than he are. That is to guarantee he can re-inhabit the man and remain in the man. Okay. And then they go and live there. And now once again, now let's look at the man, the state of the man. He is worse than what he was in the former state. What Jesus is simply saying is this. He's dealing with the state. That's the main issue that you need to see. What happens once the demon is out, cast out, once the house is swept and remains empty, remains empty, and those demons, the one that got cast out with the seven others, come back and re-inhabit re the man, what is the final state of the man? He is worse than before. That's the whole idea. Okay. Now let me bring you into what Jesus is talking about from the parable to the reality with the coming of John the Baptist. Okay. In preparing the way for Jesus, the Messiah, this is the work of sweeping the house. The house is Israel. The house is Israel. Okay. The state of the house is demon possessed. House, Israel, state, demon possessed. 
with the coming of John the Baptist in preparing the way for the Messiah. He's sweeping the house, preparing the house to receive the Messiah. The work is being done. Then comes Jesus with Jesus. He begins to put clean the cast the demons out, do all of these marvelous works. The house is further being cleansed. Jesus sends his disciples into the harvest. He sends the, his own disciples. He empowers them with powers to cast out demons and to heal all manners of sickness and diseases and to raise the dead. The further work of cleaning the house and casting out demons. So through the work of John the Baptist, Jesus and the disciples, the house of Israel is cleansed. The demons are cast out and therefore it leaves the people. Remember what Jesus said earlier, make your minds up, choose whether or not you receive me as the Messiah or not come to a point of decision. You got it. So therefore the people are left with the opportunity choose Jesus or not. The people fail because of what the leaders are doing. What are the leaders are doing? Pure context, pure context. They are trying to convince the people that Jesus is demon possessed. And therefore, because of the people leaning towards the leaders, failure to come to a decision to accept Jesus as the Messiah. This is what it means that the house has been cleansed but notice it remains empty. You need to receive Jesus in receiving Jesus. The house has been filled, but because the house remains empty, the people have come, did not, they fail to come to the, to receive Jesus as Messiah. What happens? The people revert. They revert back to a worse state. What the demon, goes with seven other demons weaker than himself back to the same man, back unto Israel. And what happens? The state of the man is worse than before. The people fail to receive Jesus. The people fall because, and they ultimately reject Jesus, believing in what the Pharisees say. And what happens? Notice, I'm telling you now, the nation falls into a worse state. And it only makes common sense, doesn't it? You were in bad shape when Jesus came. When Jesus came, he cleaned the place up and says, accept me. The people refuse to accept Jesus. What do you expect to happen? They ultimately will fall into a worse state. And notice how Jesus ends this. And you cannot tell me this is not beautiful. That is the way. What? The state of, notice, man having a demon cleaned up. Then now in the worst state, it will also be in the same way it would be for what? This generation. You see that note? Jesus did not say, he said for this evil generation. What? You people, Jews who saw me, saw the signs proving that I'm the Messiah and rejected. You didn't come to a decision. You rejected me. Your leader said I was demon possessed. Ultimately, you're going to say that I'm demon possessed. You got it. That's the way it's going to be. And what is going to be the fate of that generation? 
You thought you were in bad shape. Now listen to this, guys. Let me show it to you now. You were in bad shape, the demon, demon-possessed man. You thought you were in bad shape initially when the Romans were ruling over you. Seven demons coming wicked, you will be in worse shape. You're going to find yourself in worse shape when the Romans will return in 70 AD and destroy you. You got it? You are already in bad shape with the Romans having dominion over you. You will be even in a worse shape because you rejected me as your Messiah. When the Romans will come under Titus and kill and destroy huge numbers of you. That is what it will be like for this rejecting Jesus as Messiah generation. Okay. So in rejecting Jesus, you will receive a worse degree of punishment. And that's what he continues to say over and over and over. Let's finish chapter 12, this extensive teaching. 46. While he was still speaking to the crowds, behold, his brother, his mother and brothers were standing outside speaking, seeking to speak to him. Someone said to him, behold, your mother and your brothers are standing outside seeking to speak to you. But Jesus answered the one who was telling him and said, who is my mother and who are my brothers? And stretching out his hand toward his disciples, he said, behold, my mother and my brothers, for whoever does not do the will of my father, whoever does the will of my father who is in heaven, he is my brother, sister and mother. Okay. So now Jesus ends and basically, let me just wrap it up by setting forth in the rejection of himself, of, of Jesus by the people. That's basically what we're seeing happening here. Okay. He sets forth a new sense of relationship, new family. And he dealt with the issue of what was going on at the crowds. Jesus, mama and daddy, mother, I'm sorry, mother, Joseph by this time was no doubt dead. Mother and brothers outside wanting to speak to Jesus. We don't know what was going on. All we know is they just simply wanted to see Jesus. Somebody came and told him, your mom, your mama and your brothers out there want to see you. Jesus took that opportunity to simply say, let me tell you who are my brothers, the new family of Jesus. And all of this is predicated. You got to see how it all works, guys. Predicated upon Israel's rejection, the kingdom that should have been that will not be. Now, getting ready. He's getting ready. What did I just say? He's getting ready for the new kingdom that is to come. And he's getting ready to set forth new relationships in the new kingdom that is to come. And so he says, my mother, my brother, and my sisters. Notice, he didn't say father. <laughs> but only mother, brother, and sisters of Jesus are those who does the will of the father. Okay. Thanks guys for joining me. I know that was exceptionally long, but it was ever so uh, worthwhile. Chapter 12, and I'm not gonna rehearse it because it was long enough, is the pivot point. It shows where calling Jesus demon possessed by the leaders of the people, the people's indecisiveness to choose him as the Messiah, Jesus rescinds the king, the offer of the kingdom. No longer am I your Messiah, I'll do miracles, but I'll only do them privately. The individual must have faith for himself. And as far as the kingdom is concerned, the kingdom will not come to this generation like I've offered it to. 
this generation because of all the things that I have done and fail yet to believe in me, only thing that will come to this generation is judgment. Sad to say, even Gentiles would have believed in me better than this generation. The war unto you horizon, beside all that stuff. If Jonah, the preaching of Jonah, the queen of the south, Gentiles would have received me. My own people and all of the things that I did did not receive me. So therefore, notice again, for this generation, this generation, this generation is judgment. Why? Because this generation has blasphemed the Holy Spirit. Thanks for joining me with that long teaching. Join me next time as we get into chapter 13, as Jesus closes out his offer to the kingdom to Israel and begins to reveal the new kingdom of God and he begins to speak in parables. I cannot wait to get there, guys, and teach you what it's all about. But before we close, once again, if you do find out these teachings have been, a, find these teachings to be a blessing to you. Support the ministry, become a monthly partner, become a monthly partner with me, or send a donation if God touches your heart. And I believe he has does. Some of you guys simply need to act on it. So I am asking for your support. But See you next time, guys. I can't wait for us to get into chapter 13. Bless you.